Okay, so I'm going to get through a few of these today, I bet, but we're going to talk about the names of God. What does that have to do with assembly? Well, when you remember who he is, and I remember, like I said last week, mostly when I forget, right? We all forget. Maybe we don't forget like it's out of our memory, but there's plenty of times our circumstances speak louder in our own mind than what we know about God. That is when we easily forget who he is and his faithfulness. But it is in these times we find encouragement that we might not find on our own. We come to the assembly. We gather together and we get encouraged. I'm not going to go back to the verse and read it word for word, but we talked about Hebrews 11. Three things, three benefits of assembly. And those benefits are it will help us to hold fast to the profession of our faith. Two is it will give us a chance to provoke others to love and to good works. And three, it will encourage us to do the same. Those are the benefits to assembly. That is why Paul followed that up with, so don't forsake the assembly of yourself. It's not because walking through these doors made of wood and steel give us a pass to walk through the doors made of pearls and gold one day. No, these doors don't give us a pass to that whatsoever. God doesn't even smile at us and say, I'm happy with you. You've been going to church lately. No, he's happy with you and he loves you no matter what. But this, the church, the body of Christ, the assembly of the saints is a gift where we find encouragement, where we can encourage each other and it will help us hold fast to the profession of our faith when everything else around us is starting to tell us that our faith even is bigoted or that our faith is is old-fashioned or our faith needs to catch up with the times that we're in. Man, that makes it very difficult in the natural to hold on to the profession of your faith when people are telling you your faith means you're bad or your faith means you're old-fashioned. Your faith means whatever they're saying right now, but it's these moments these moments that help us hold fast. So those are three benefits to assembly. We remember God's faithfulness as we remind each other of that. And so I'm going to spend this week and next week talking about the faithfulness of God that we find within his very name. And you and I both know he's not just known by one name. There are so many names for God in the Bible. We're going to talk about it. To Abraham Isaac, he was Jehovah Jireh, the provider, and that's who he is to you. To to Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, he's Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. Right to the children of Israel in the desert that got sick and, and looked about looked at the brass snake that was on on the cross. He was Jehovah Rapha, our healer. That's also who he is to you. To Abraham, he's Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness, the God who, who makes us righteous, and that's who he is to us. We find him, we find ourselves within his faithfulness, and it's in these moments we remember and we are encouraged. So I'm going to jump straight into these two quick reminders. I, I think I finished last week talking about Jehovah Sidkenu and Jehovah Kadesh. But listen to this one more time Jehovah Sidkenu means God our righteousness. Man, that's good news that he's our righteousness. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is a great one. I told you this last week, but I hope you carry this one on you. If it's not in your heart, carry it on you. It, it, write it down until it is in your heart. But 2 Corinthians five twenty one, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God 
in him. That's not based on your behavior. You're going to hear this a lot. That's based on the behavior of Jesus. He is the lamb that was, is, and always will be worthy. Not me. I'm not the lamb. You're not the lamb that always and will be worthy. Thank God that our righteous righteousness is not based on if we have been good enough. But if you needed encouragement today and you need to remember that even on the bad weeks or hard weeks, even when you make mistakes, even when you say the things that you've swore you'll never say, even when you treat your kids the way you swore you'd never treat your kids, even when you decided this is the week I'm finally going to tell that employee or, or that person I work with what's up I'm finally going to tell them what I really think this week and you did it or maybe it was on Facebook and then you erased it but but then you sent a text and now you can unsend them so that's helpful I don't know but maybe this was the week you stepped into something you crossed the line you thought I'm not going to cross this is the best week for you to sit here and remember that you serve a God who says I am Jehovah's canoe I'm your righteousness. It's not about who you are. Let's get up together. Let's dust ourselves off. Let's keep on moving forward. Boy, that's the revelation I needed because when I was a teenager, I was a guilt-ridden teenager. Most of you have heard my testimony, but man, I spent hours every day focused on how bad I was, asking God to forgive me of every individual sin I committed. It was my entire relationship with God. Can you imagine how self-centered that is under the disguise of being not self-centered? I'm looking at myself this whole time. I'm so bad. I fall so short of your righteousness, Lord. I had this disrespectful thought. I saw this thing I shouldn't have seen. I did this thing I shouldn't have done. And Jesus says, listen, just look at me. Just look at me. Forget about all this looking at yourself and look to me. That's what finally set me free. When I got my eyes off of myself, and put them on Jesus. If you think you're too far gone, if you ever make a mistake that takes you out, I'm just going to say it this way. That's a very selfish thing because there's a lot of people around you that don't need you to be taken out. They need you to be speaking the words of life because if they don't hear it from you, they're not going to hear it from anybody else. You got to keep moving forward even when you make a mistake and you got to put the selfishness aside. Stop focusing on your own mistake and focus on Jehovah Sidkenu, your righteousness. Father, thank you that you're my righteousness. It's not my own behavior. Thank you that Jesus, the righteousness that he lived with is now accounted to me and in your very name, it says you are our righteousness. One more verse, 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ died for sins once for all. And for the just and the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That is awesome. You are Jeho He is Jehovah Kadesh. This is along similar lines, the God who sanctifies. But I love that it's the word sanctify because, again, in a very selfish thing, a majority, or not a majority, I don't know if it's a majority, but a big part of the church teaches that you become a saint based on your own actions. If you read about people that lived uh, long ago, usually you hear about Saint so-and-so, Saint so-and-so. This person was a saint because they did this. This person was a saint because she did this. Man, if being a saint is based on our own behavior, all have fallen short of the glory of God. If the apostle Paul's righteousness on his own was that of filthy rags, mine is like, at least a stack of filthy rags, right? I mean, if it was based on our own behavior, there'd be no saints. Sainthood, whatever you want to call it, sanctification is not based on us, but it is based on Jesus. Well, then who are the saints? Look to your left 
and look to your right and then take a mirror and take a look at the person staring back at you in that mirror. You are saints. You are not sinners. That is not the real you. Is there a part of you that still makes mistakes? Probably. Don't want to call anybody out or make assumptions because you know what you do and you make assumptions. But there are probably, most of us in here would say, I have a part of me that still makes mistakes, but I want you to get to know the part of you that is not the part of you that makes mistakes. You're a three-part being just like God is. Spirit, soul, and body. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's three parts to you. And the most real part of you, the part of you that lives forever, the part of you that in a million years from now is still going to be alive and well. Your spirit is 100% sanctified. Your spirit looks just like the spirit of Jesus. Your spirit is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost, and you are sanctified because that is the real you, not this person on the outside, not this person that still has to deal with those unclean, unpure thoughts every once in a while. You cast those out because the real you is not the person that has those encounters. Hebrews 10.10 says, uh, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all, because Jesus laid his life down, you became sanctified. When you see yourself as a saint rather than a sinner, you're going to make a lot of different decisions. Am I about to make this decision because I'm a sinner or am I about to make this decision because I'm a saint? Because those two people make very different decisions. Those two people, the saint and the sinner, make decisions almost polar opposite of each other in a lot of cases. But man, instead of being tossed to and fro, double-minded man, like the word says, choose to be single-minded and make your decisions based on the fact and the truth that you are sanctified. Okay, so if my soul, if my spirit is sanctified, what about my mind and my body? Well, the Bible, like I said, tells you you got three parts to you, spirit, soul, and body. I like to think of it like this. If your soul is like your mind, who your personality, your will, your emotions, right? Your spirit is sanctified right now. Your soul, your mind, your will, emotions, well, you got a chance every minute of the day to keep that sanctified. It's called renewing your mind. Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, sanctified by the renewing of your mind. So your spirit is sanctified from now through eternity. Your soul's got to be sanctified every day as you renew your mind to his word. Your body one day will be sanctified. Right now, this body is not sanctified. This body, just like your body, is going to end up in a grave somewhere someday. But thank God, the Bible says we will be given new sanctified bodies one day. What does that look like? I don't know. But my mom says she won't have any wrinkles. She won't be overweight at all, which she's not overweight now, but she says it'll be perfect. I won't have to worry about any of this anymore. She told my son that, Judah, when he was six or seven years old, he goes, what will our bodies look like? Lisa said even littler. So he said, what will our new bodies look like, Emma? And she said, oh, they'll be beautiful. She said, there'll be no more wrinkles. You know, I won't have these hips anymore. And uh, my hair won't be gray. It'll be beautiful auburn. And he goes, so you'll be even prettier. She goes, yeah. And he said, how could I look any better than this? (laughs) Pretty full of himself back then. He's pretty full of himself now. (laughs) But you know, as he gets older, he might think a little bit differently every once in a while. You might see a few more imperfections when you look in the mirror. But we have a God in heaven who is Jehovah M. Kadesh. M. Kadesh. 
our sanctification. And man, he makes our spirit sanctified the second we say yes to Jesus. He gives us a chance every day, every moment to renew and sanctify our mind by renewing it to his word. And one day, no matter what happens down here, if we say yes to Jesus, even our bodies will become sanctified in you. He is God, our sanctification. Man, that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Here's a good one right here. Jehovah Shalom. You know what that word means? You've heard it probably before. Shalom means peace. He is God, our peace. And boy, could we walk in this one more often? And could I talk about this one all day? This is a big one. But Isaiah 26, 3 is a verse I always go to that talks about Jehovah Shalom, our peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. I've said this a whole lot, but this is a simple truth. If you deal with anxiety or fear on a regular basis, let me rephrase that. We all deal with fear and anxiety on a regular basis because fear and anxiety, if you're a believer, it's an attack from the outside, not the inside. If you're a believer, what do you have on the inside? Not fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So what I want to say, I want to make sure I'm saying what I want to say. We all deal and are faced with fear and anxiety, but do we choose to say yes to it or do we refuse it? That's the difference in all of us, right? Is do we refuse it or do we receive it? If you have been dealing with receiving fear and anxiety that the world throws at you, that the enemy throws at you, it's crazy. The devil is out there, would love nothing more for you to be in fear and anxiety, but somehow he's convinced the world too that because they would love nothing more for you to be in fear and anxiety. I mean, even good headlines are filled with fear, right? Even headlines that should just be about weather. I always think about this stupid headline I saw years ago that said the world's first nuclear hurricane. That's impossible. There's no such thing as a nuclear hurricane. Nuclear and hurricane just sound terrifying when you put those things together. So they use this metaphor that this hurricane could cause as much damage as a nuclear bomb just to make people afraid. Funny part of that is I ended up in a line for propane that day, and I don't even have a propane tank. I don't even have anything that runs on propane. I thought, well, if people need propane, I'm just probably going to need some propane. And before I got to the front of that line, thank God I remembered that we have a God named Jehovah Shalom, our peace. And when our mind is stayed on him, we will experience that peace. So here's what I'm saying. If you deal with fear and anxiety and you've been saying, yes, this is not debatable. Your mind is just not stayed on God. You can tell me it is all day, but your actions speak louder than your words. You can tell yourself that your mind is stayed on God all day. But if you are operating in anxiety or fear, you're not keeping your mind stayed on God. Lisa and I have been through something pretty recently here that kept us up at night, kept us up for an entire night. And honestly, it was a very tense situation. And I'm telling you, I was laying in bed and and then after we got out of bed, sitting up all day, literally forcing myself to put my mind on God. What do I mean by that? I was sitting on my couch and I was literally saying you are the God that took care of me when this happened 
You are the God that sat with me and laid with me uh, in my bed at night when I was a kid and I was terrified that I was going to get sick and die. You are the God that was with me in my room when I was scared when this happened. You are the God that, that got my mom through this hard thing. And I started rehearsing the things I saw God get me through in my life that were hard and that stole my peace. It was something I physically did. I had to force myself to stop thinking about the situation that was happening and to think about and remember who he was and the times Jehovah Shalom, my peace, was with me in the middle of a hard night. And boy, it was hard. Physically, it was hard. But let me tell you, I can't imagine where my mind would have gone had I not done that. Isaiah 26.3, you will be in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him because he is perfect peace. Man, he is perfect peace. When the angel appeared to the shepherds when Jesus was born and he said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. If he was talking about peace on earth, meaning no more war, no more violence, no more problems, then he'd have been lying because there was still war, there was still violence. There was violence happening somewhere on the earth probably as the angel was saying that. But he was announcing the arrival of peace. Jesus personified peace on earth. And now his spirit lives in you. And Jehovah Shalom says, keep your mind on me and you'll be in peace. Okay, but what about when, when, when there's accusations against me? Keep your mind on me and you'll be in peace. Okay, what about when I get laid off? Keep your mind on me and you'll have peace. What about when the money is running low? Keep your mind on me. That can't be the answer for everything. Why not? Why not? I've said this before and asked this question before. Do your complicated ways work? Probably not. Try the simple way. Try the simple way. I'm telling you, the enemy's not after your job. He's after your peace. The enemy's not after your money. He's after your peace. He's not trying to steal your money. Most of us probably worse when we have money than we are when we don't have money. Like, you need to be good with it. You need to have money, but it needs to be controlled by you. You don't need to be controlled by money. But so many times we think you're after this, you're after that. And he's just trying to steal the word from you. He's trying to steal your peace. He's trying to steal your joy. But what, is the, what does Jesus say? Listen, seek the kingdom first and all these other things will be added unto you. Get your mind off of all these Issues. Put your mind on Jehovah Shalom, your peace. Watch all these things be added unto you. And don't let the enemy steal your peace. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Don't let the enemy steal good moments from your family. Don't allow that. Keep your mind on him. How do you do it? Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6 through 8, pray about it, tell God what you need, thank him for what he's done. You can read Philippians 4. It's worded beautifully, but that's the three things he says to do. That's how you put your mind on God. Talk to him. Have conversation. Pray about it. Tell him what you need. Thank him for what he's done. He's not sitting there judging you. Oh, what are you? this is still in your peace again? No. He's listening to you, and the result is his peace will flood your heart. If you've never tried it, if you've never given it a chance, keep your mind on Jehovah Shalom, your peace this week. Remember that phrase, Jehovah Shalom. All right, and one more as I invite the band back up. As we close, we're going to close with this one, uh, and then we'll get back to it next week. But Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. Oh, man, this is a good one. In the fiery furnace, he was Jehovah Shema, the God who was there. 
in the lion's den, the hungry lions. He shut their mouth because he was Jehovah Shammah, the God who was there. When David was in a cave surrounded by enemies ready to kill him, he was Jehovah Shammah, the God who was there. Psalm 139, verse 8, If I ascend into heaven, you are there. Boy, and here's a good one. This is the same verse. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. Joshua 1, 9, God says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you know what his next instructions were? Walk to the fortified city of Jericho. And instead of the strength of swords and spears and arrows, I want you to line up, circle the city, march around, scream a shout, blow some trumpets, and I'm going to bring this city down. I mean, could you think of anything that would look goofier or sillier than a bunch of people marching around a city, screaming and shouting and blowing horns, thinking that's going to do anything? Can you imagine the fear? This was not a city known for just inviting people in to be a part. No, they they were fortified. They had a military. They could have taken the Hebrews out on paper. It looked like that. But here's Jehovah Shema, the God who is there. And he says, do this. Don't forget, I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. And boy, there's so many times in life it feels like we should be fighting. But he says, just remember, I'm with you. Let me fight this battle. Let me do this. What can I do in the meantime, Lord? Spend some time with me. Seek my kingdom. Tell me about it. Pray about it. Tell me what you need. Spend some time with your family. Worship. Put on a worship album and sing some songs to me. Go to church. Celebrate with the assembly. Go tell somebody about Jesus, but I'm with you. Let me fight this battle. Romans 8, 39. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go back to the fiery furnace. There's this great verse I love when they came out on the other side. It says, not only did they not burn up, it says the smell of smoke wasn't even on them. Listen, there's times we make it through the battle and we feel a little bit weary and we might feel beat up and we look beat up. We're like, but I made it. And he says, okay, you did. But next time, let me fight it. You'll win. And it won't even have a res- it won't even be a residual effect. You won't come out looking beat up. You won't come out looking all tired and weary. You'll come out on the other side with energy. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego left the fire, they were given more authority than they've ever dreamed about. There's a whole message in that. But if you want to walk in more authority, then let God Jehovah Shema, the God who is there, and let him fight that battle for you and come out on the other side with energy, more authority than you've ever walked in, so much so that people will see a difference. Not like, boy, you look like you've been through something. No, they'll see a difference in, and you look like you have been through something and you know how to get to the other side. Tell me about it. Man, grab my hand and show me 
because that's something we're going to get to next week. And we have the God who is Jehovah Shalom, our peace, Jehovah Shema, who is there, Jehovah Sidkenu, our righteousness, Jehovah Kadesh, who sanctifies. But you know, as the church, we are the representatives of God. We are the body of Christ. And to a hurting world, this is also what we can offer the hurting world. We can extend a hand and say, let me tell you about the one who makes us righteous. Let me tell you about the God who is there with you in every hard situation. Let me tell you about how you can have peace when everybody else around you is going crazy. And that's who we are to a hurting and dying world. It's who we represent. And for the body of Christ, that's what we have to offer. But first, I'm telling you, you can't offer something you don't have. You can't offer something you're not walking in. That's a quick way to get burned out. It's a quick way to, to walk in lack. But as we choose to find ourselves in the faithfulness of God found in His very name and in His names, man, you were Jehovah Shalom on my darkest moment that could have just terrified me. You are with me. Maybe that's right now, but he's with you. On the day I made the worst mistake in my life, you were Jehovah Kadesh, my God who sanctifies. You are the God that makes me righteous, that hears me when I talk, that is with me all the time. You are Jehovah Shema who is there. Amen. Man, let's all stand together. Man, rehearse his goodness this week. Rehearse who he is. Keep your mind stayed on him and watch that peace flood your heart. Let's do it right now. Let's put it into action. Let's take a few minutes and worship with the band. Just put everything else out of your mind. Focus on the Lord. Then I'm going to come up, invite our prayer ministers, and close us out. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for who you are, for what you're saying to us right now. Thank you that as we focus on you, we will experience every attribute of who you are. And, and to go back to the word I had at the beginning of service, I thank you for creative solutions that you've given us already. And if we have not received that yet, I thank you that as we worship right now, we still have a chance to receive your creative solution to the issues that are in front of us. Amen.